Well, uh, I'm just going to do a, a little teaching before Gary and Sheila come, come in. They're going to start at 10, go to noon, and we're, we're going to do some activation today where we get, uh, get you employed. It's, it's not right for you to keep hearing messages about prophecy and how it works and then not give you an immediate opportunity to practice. And so there's a good mix here this morning of people who don't know each other. So that, that ups the ante in, in a way that makes it a little easier to, to prophesy. Very hard to prophesy to your best friends sometimes um, just because we know them so well. And it just adds another battle of us trying to having to sort out our thoughts. Uh, let's start at the very beginning. And why don't we go to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And um, Moses had been praying, and he'd been praying what we call the pastor's prayer. And the pastor's prayer was, kill me, Lord, get me out of here. What, what, is it, what is it about me you don't like, that you gave me the responsibility to the pastor this unruly flock? And so he'd been praying that, and rather than um, kill him, what the Lord did is he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the spirit that's upon you and I'm going to transfer it to your elders. And so he's going to raise up people around him who can work with him and encourage him who are, who are operating uh, by the same Holy Spirit. And so uh, that's what the Lord did and that's what he does. And so what he did, you can read this. And it, uh, he, um, he starts speaking... Uh, Actually, I just gave you the wrong reference. I have two here. I gave you, uh, I should have given you uh, Numbers chapter 11. But keep your finger in Deuteronomy 18 because we're going there. So he actually took uh, the spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70 elders. Two things happen. Um, that, that's called impartation. And that, that is key. That's what he's teaching here is you're going to go as far as you are in relationship to people around you. You're going to go as far as you are to the body of relationship to the body of Christ. It, it very little comes directly from God, from heaven upon us. Most of it comes through people. Most of it comes through the people you already know. And so it's called impartation. And the reason that's important is, is when you're reading about the gifts of spirit, you're reading chapter 12, 13, and 14. That's all about the gifts. 13 is the Oriole in the middle of the cookie. It's all about the gifts. It's not, we cut it out and paste it on our wedding invitations, but it's about the gifts of spirit. It's about the motivation. But he does this whole swath, a major chunk of chapter 12. It's all about the body of Christ and how we're to relate to each other. That's not in there by accident. That's how grace flows. That's how the gifts flow. Uh, very, very few people could ever prophesy if they weren't in a place where they saw it and experienced it and heard it through other people. And there's a thing called impartation, and this is God's plan, where he transfers from one person to another. I believe all the gifts of spirit that came with Jesus, he came full of, 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 of grace and truth. All of that was left in the earth. He ascended to heaven. All those gifts were left. I think they're all still here in the body of Christ. I think they're, they're in clay, jet, clay vessels. The way to get them is staying in proximity with each other. That's the way to go. If you want to really increase in the prophetic, stay with people who are going in the prophetic. Stay with people who are moving with God. That, that's the key to this whole thing. That's what Gary was trying to say last night. That's my story. Everything I have, everything I've gained, 
I can tell you where, when, and through whom. I, I pray in my prayer closet, but I don't get very much in my prayer closet. I get it by impartation through other people. That is a huge, huge key. Part of what the enemy wants to do is separate us from the grace of God. The way he does that is he separates us from each, from each other. That's a major factor. Luke, I can't see you, son. You want to just sit beside Sam or move up beside Sheila Joy or someplace? You're right where that beam is. There, even right there. Squeeze right in there. Give him a hug, will you, just for moving in and doing that. You just have to be right where that beam is, and it's hard for me. I want to be able to see you. So, um, so first thing that happened when the Spirit was taken off of Moses and put on them, that's called impartation, um, they started to prophesy. And so when the Spirit comes on you, you have to know this about the Holy Spirit. This is a huge, huge key. He is a talker. He wants to speak. He, he can't just sit inside of us and do nothing. He wants out. He wants to come out. He wants to come out through our mouths. First thing that they did is, is they started prophesying. That's, that's a, a major, major key. So for me, uh, when I step in front of someone to minister, I believe it's the Holy Spirit who wants to speak. All I have to do is yield and allow him to do that. And uh, so two of them didn't happen to be right there in the, in the meeting. They, weren't, they were outside. And so this young guy came in. You can read this, verse 28, 27 and 28. He come running in. He says, Moses, Moses, there's two guys prophesying outside, and I forbid them. I told them not to. Moses' response here is really the heart of God. And, and he says, uh, are you zealous for my sake? Verse 29. Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put a spirit upon them. That is the heart of God. Not prophets with a capital P, uh, but they, they would all know the, uh, the voice of God, the heart of God, and can communicate that to each other. He says, oh, oh, <laughs> I wish everybody could, could experience what I've been experiencing, because it's not words, it's heart. When, you, when you, God starts prophesying through you, the most precious part of it is that you're feeling the heart of God. You get to taste it on the way through. The best part of everyone who was prophesied over last night were not the words, although they probably went home and listened to them on their phone. The best part was the sense that came with it of being beloved, being seen. That's the best part. Moses is saying, oh, I wish everyone, I wish all of God's people had the Holy Spirit. I wish all of God's people had the heart of God and could communicate the heart of God. You can't do that and remain the same. This is, a, this is, a, this is what every pastor, I just feel if I got all of my people prophesying, it would change our church because it would change our mouths, it would change our motives, it would change our heart, it would change our experience. I mean, it's huge. So lean over to the person right next to you, look them in the eye and say, oh, I wish you prophesied. I wish you prophesied. I wish all of you prophesied. Now, with that comes problems, and, that, and that's one of the major issues we have to deal with. And so now you can go to Deuteronomy um, chapter 18. And he does something here. Deuteronomy is profound because it's a summary book. He's looking back over everything that's happened and he's summarizing. It's called the law. In fact, in the Bible when it says that they found the law, I think what they found was the book of Deuteronomy. It's a, 
it's it's very very rarely does God explain what he's doing as he's doing it. But this is Deuteronomy explaining what he'd been doing all along. It's just you have to get to know Deuteronomy to understand the law. And so what he does here is profound. Look at verse 15. He says, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me in the midst from your brethren. Him you shall hear. And notice it's capital P. He's talking about Jesus. The only person who, who merits capital P prophet is Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit is crazy about Jesus. Right from the very beginning, all he wants to talk about is Jesus. The only person he wants to magnify is Jesus. The only pe person he wants to glorify is Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If that's not your heart, you shouldn't be prophesying because you're, you're not going to be in sync with his heart. So he's talking about Jesus right from the start as a prophet being raised up from among us. And that's, that's the best way this thing works. But then he says, um, he said, this is, I'm doing this because you asked. Look at verse 16. He says, you desire this at Mount Horeb. Well, Mount, Mount Horeb is when they really started. These people didn't know God. They had a, a faint knowledge, kind of like a lot of Americans say, well, we know there's this big God out there somewhere, but they didn't know him in any real way. So he takes them out in the wilderness and he starts speaking to them. And Horeb is huge. He, that's really where he starts revealing so much about himself. And when God began to speak, it was audible. And if you can imagine, it's thunder. It's, it's, it's an earthquake. And it made their liver quiver. And they said, don't. Don't speak to us anymore. They just couldn't take it. I mean, if you're longing for the audible voice of God, I don't know that you know what you're asking for. It, it will shake you up. I've had God speak to me, and I, I walk in a crouch for three days afterwards. Everything is, it just affects everything. So he's saying here, he says, you asked for this. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gear down. I'm going to gear down, and I'm going to start speaking through people. That's the beginning of the prophetic right there. No more audible voice making your liver quiver. I'm going to speak through people. And, and that's, that's where the prophecy begins. And uh, what he says here is interesting. If, um, if you look at verse 20 and 21, well, down to 22 actually, he introduces a major problem with this. And God says, this is worth the risk. I want us, I'm a, he wants to speak to his people. They can't, they can't take it. So I'm going to gear down. I'm going to speak through people. The problem is, it can be, it can be faked. The problem is, is there are people who are, are going to misuse this, abuse this, there are people who are going to presume to speak in my name, and it's not me sending them, it's not me speaking. That's the risk. Right from the beginning. I mean, this is the very genesis of the thing. He said, I know, I know people, and I know what's going to happen is, as soon as I start speaking through Moses and through, even through Jesus, there's going to be people who get up and saying, well, I can do that. And, and they want to draw all the honor and Everything that, so it's not about Jesus, it's about them. And he says, I know that's going to happen. I'm going to tell you on the front end it's going to happen. Uh, and there's consequences for it. Those who do that will die. And so that's, that's a fact. 
One of the things that keeps you and I from prophesying is we've all heard flaky stuff through people who weren't being led by the Lord, and it so offends our sensibilities of our, our love for God and our love for his word that it actually shuts us down. And there's something that you're going to have to work through where you have to say, I don't care if, the, if nine people get up and it's all about them and they're, they're doing their, their pony show to get their, their kudos. Uh, I, I'm going to share the heart of God. I'm going to speak what God is saying. I'm gonna, if, there's, if there's nine of them, I'm going to be the one who's going to say, this is the right way to handle this grace. I'm going to be the one who's going to... And I, I, think, I think you have to decide that. After you decide... It doesn't matter how flaky this thing gets, I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to communicate the heart of the Lord. I'm going to be an example of what it really should look like to speak the heart of God. And I've had to do that. I've had to decide it because the different times where I've had large portions of my life where I've just shut down is because I just, I hated the prophetic. Isn't it interesting, Paul is talking about prophecy at, at Corinth, and the very last thing he says to them is, do not forbid prophecy. Uh, or and then he writes to the Thessalonians, do not despise prophecy. And the reason is, is we, we do. And, and what we despise is the misuse of it. We despise the carnal elements of it. We don't despise God, his heart, or his speaking, or his spirit. We just, we just say, if that's, this, if that's what this stuff is about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow out. That's the wrong attitude. What you have to do is say, I'm going to be an example of integrity. I'm going to be an example of, of saying this in, the, in a loving, gracious way. And you have to go cross-thread that. So he wants to speak. There's risks. In, and I'm a pastor of a church. I want everyone to prophesy. There's risks. So we, we're going to release you all today to prophesy. Some of it isn't going to work. I, would you still go with me? Is it still worth doing that we might get something out of it? We might get someone get some experience and, and find out that God does thread them like a needle and he brings grace through them. And then we have to say, well, that's worth it. It's worth the risk. It's worth trying. And, and any pastor, I had a pastor come to me one time. He says, I want what you have. I want what's... What's going on in your church? He said, uh, I, I want all the gifts of the Spirit to flow, except I, I just don't want any messes. And I remember looking at him and saying, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Paul is the pastor of one of the, one of the great churches. It's, he's the founder of, of Corinth, and it's, and it's not really working. They're moving in the prophetic. They're moving in the gifts. That's what every pastor wants with problems, and there's just no way to do it. Even yourself, uh, you could actually say, boy, this is a lot of work. I have to discern my motives. I have to discern so much about me and what God's doing. It's, it'd just be easier just to, just to go to church and not sweat the stuff. Well, it's worth the risk. It's worth you going through all the stuff you have to go through to prophesy and you having to deal with your fears and you have to deal with sorting out your motives. It's worth the risk and you have to nail that right up from the very get-go. So God speaks, he says, I want, I want to speak through people. And then uh, there's this moment, an amazing moment in history, probably no other moment. I can't think of another moment like this. It's, in, it's found in Joel chapter 2. And this young guy, Joel, or Joel, he, he tips his head back, and out of his throat came this word that nobody had ever heard before, it was over the top, too good to be true, amazing. 
And, and um, God always points back to this moment. So it's a, it's a huge pivotal moment in church history and, and the, uh, the history of God dealing with his people. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Then, then he does something that's amazing. He says, and this, this is my version of it. The, the boy who's sweeping the barn is going to prophesy. The gal who's over the laundry tub, she's going to start prophesying. And that is a huge, huge shift from prophets speaking and kings speaking and priests speaking. This is a major shift. This is him saying, I'm going to do something that's going to affect everybody. I don't want just a handful of people to speak and prophesy. I want, I want all my people to prophesy. I want the most ordinary person, your son, your daughter. I mean, how local is that? It's, it's your kids. I want them to prophesy. That's the heart of God. He really wants you all to get in on this. I can remember a time when uh, John Wimber, John Wimber, I love him so much for, for, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that I appreciated him is we had, we had, um, we had created a, a Pentecostal culture uh, that the prophets were s super special and the prophets were rare and, and um, uh, they had kind of this exclusive track to God and John comes along and he says, ah, you can all do it. I'll show you how. And he would get up and demonstrate how to prophesy and then get people prophesying. And as the title of his book was, You Can All Play. You can all play. You can all do this. And he debunked, or he, uh, not debunked, he demystified that Pentecostal persona of, of, of the special prophet, who the great man of God, and just said... Uh, he, he would have meetings, and, and he worked a lot in Word of Knowledge and, and Word of Wisdom as part of his prophetic. And so he'd call up a young guy from his church and say, you do it now. And so the guy would call a person out, and he says, here's what God's doing in you. Here's what's wrong with you physically, and he would describe it. And people marveled because the guy, there was no shaking, no rattling, no rolling, no no shanana uh, beforehand. No, I mean, it was just so clinical. And they said, now, hey, Billy Bob. And so Billy would come up. He says, you do it. And so he'd get up and he'd read someone's mail powerfully. And John was just showing, you don't have to get into this whole mode that we've seen for the last 50 years of what a prophet should be like. And, and it should be supernaturally natural. And you can all do it. So now do it. And he would turn the people on themselves to get them. And I loved them for that. He wasn't downgrading anything. He wasn't making light of anything. He was, he was more in sync, with, I think, with what God was saying from the very beginning than anybody in that generation, in that period of time. And, um, and then he, what he would do that I loved is he would demonstrate how cool it really is to hear from God. And, and he, would, he, would, um, he would do things, uh, tremendous risks, uh, He's in a meeting one time, and there's a, there's a guy there who's a, a theologian from Dallas Theological Seminary in the row with him. He's a guest, and he doesn't even believe that the gifts are for today. That's, that's where he's at. So he's a guest. He's been invited. His name is Jack Deere. So he's invited, and Wimber gets up, and he says, um, there's someone here uh, 
who's got, um, I forget what the ailment was, but, but I'll just say uh, 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 a heart palpitation. You've got a heart palpitation. Uh, put up your hand. Who's got that here? And no one responds. And so Jack, he's sitting in the front. He goes, oh, poor guy. He just blew it. He just blew it big time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wimber's not looking good. But all he cares about is Jesus. So he lets it go. And he says, now back to the person who has the heart problem. It's a lady. There's a lady here with this heart, particular heart problem. And who is that? God wants to hear you. Nobody responds. So Jack's saying, strike two. You're going nowhere quickly. Give it up. I mean, you're in trouble. John's not moved. He's, he's funny. He's, he's just so different. He's just so normal. And so he goes on then, and he comes back and says, okay, now look, at there's a lady here who's got this particular issue. You saw your doctor on Tuesday. He told you. And so he's going more and more specific. A lady beside Jack Deere, who happened to be his personal secretary, all of a sudden she's in shock because it's so specific now. Finally, he says, your name is Shirley. Who's Shirley? I mean, he got right down to the name, and finally it's her. Jack sitting beside her blows his mind because he knows Shirley. I just think that's so, what he did is he just demonstrated for all of us so many things on so many levels. And I'm not, I'm not puffing John. I'm just saying uh, he's a wonderful example that we could hold out there of, of someone who really had the goods and modeled it with integrity, demonstrated it in a clinical way, in a way that demystified the whole thing. And I, I, I would love him for that. Let's do a little demystifying ourselves here today. Go with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is after Isaiah, and you're going to go to chapter 1. So Jeremiah is living in this priestly city. The cities all lived in priests. They weren't farmers. Uh, they lived close enough to Jerusalem that they could go to work and they could look after the, the priestly duties. And so it's a, it's a city of priests. And Jeremiah is the son of a priest, the grandson of a priest, the great-grandson of a priest. I mean, he's coming from, the, he's among the, the priestly line here. And the Lord comes to him. And it doesn't say why and it doesn't say uh, very much about it except he, he comes and he introduces himself to him. He says, you know, before you were born, I've chosen you for this. You can see this in verse 4. I've set you apart. I've ordained you. And you're a prophet to the nations. And this is all new for Jeremiah. He's never heard anything like this before. His response is verse 6. He says, I'm just a kid. I'm just a, I'm just a child. I can't do this. I can't speak. Watch what the Lord does. He says, you know, don't, don't say that. Verse 7. Don't say I'm a youth. He says, uh, 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 don't be afraid of their faces. So he's actually exposing the biggest issue as to why Jeremiah wouldn't prophesy and why you won't prophesy. It's a, it's a fear. It's about people. It's what they think and how they respond. And, and then verse 9, here's the grace. I've, I've, um, the Lord put forth his hand and touched his mouth. And said, verse 9, behold, I put my words in your mouth. We need an experience. It's not, it's not us just imitating something. You have to have some kind of experience from God. And uh, now verse 10, he's speaking prophetically. God always calls 
the things that are not as though they were. So he's saying, I've set you over nations, over kingdoms to pull down, to root up, um, uh, to root out and pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, to plant. That, that's taking place like about 40 chapters later, you start seeing this happen. So it didn't happen right away. Uh, but what he did, what he did to him that's right away, that's just, it's so hard. He said, uh, I want you to start prophesying right here in your hometown among the people who know you. And they didn't like it. I mean, he didn't send them to the nations. When you, the last 10 chapters of Jeremiah or so, if you look at the title of every prophet, it's to some other nation. It's not even to Israel. He became a prophet to the nations. It just took some time for that to happen. First thing is right in home, right in home turf, right in home territory, right in his home church. There's just no other way. God wants you to prophesy here. He wants you to prophesy at home in your church. And um, now verse 11 is where I want to take you. And, and, and God, God is so incredibly gracious, gen, generous, encourager, uh, patient. Verse 11, he says, Jeremiah, and he's saying this really like a, like a, a mentor, a tutor. He's, what do you see? Because he's touched him and he's put his words in his mouth. He's, now what do you see? And he says, uh, I see a branch of an almond tree. Very specific. I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord says, verse 12, you've seen well. It's like a pat in the head. I just love that about the Lord. He's done that for me. He's met me in my bedroom after I've stepped out and prophesied and just come and just affirm what he can affirm. And then he adds, adds perspective to that. He says, I'm ready to perform my word. And that's, that's where his ministry is going to go. But notice it was just a little word. It wasn't even a, a sentence. It wasn't a paragraph. It was a little word. It says, okay, I see a branch, and that specifically happens to be an almond branch. So he saw something. I believe that's how prophecy works for all of us. And what we've created through our, our, the, our language is um, uh, a misnomer that says that you actually hear the word of the Lord. Someone will say, well, I, I just, God just spoke to me and said this. It's not really true. It, it is in the sense that it's not us. It's not us generating it. It's not us making it. But it's not so much that we hear something, is that we see something. And what he does is he uses your imagination and, and you're seeing something with the eyes of your heart. He wasn't seeing a physical, anything physical here. He was seeing with the eyes of his heart. And now the whole trick is to say what you saw without adding anything to it, just saying what you saw. And then he affirmed that. He says, you've seen, you've seen well. And, and, but what he didn't give him is he didn't give him the whole thing. He didn't give him the application. He didn't tell him what it meant. All you're supposed to do is say what you saw. If you do that part, oftentimes application will come either to them or you may get it to help them with a little bit more application. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. You just have to live with that and just trust the Lord that he'll, he'll do application. But it's really seen with the eyes of your heart. And, and um, here's the tricky part with that. Uh, 
I wish, I wish someone had taught me this. Number one, I wish I had heard this. This would have saved my soul. A lot of, I, my soul was black and blue. I beat myself up so much about all this stuff. I wish someone had explained this to me. What happens when you get a word from the Lord is you, you have a, a, a line of thinking. One thought always leads to another. And you can always review. It's like tape. You can always review your thoughts, including the motive behind your thought. You can do that uh, sometimes even years later. You can know your line of thought. So you got a line of thought. One thought leads to another. And then in the middle of it, you stand up to minister to someone. And in the middle of it, for, for a part of a second, like faster than the shutter on a camera, with the eyes of your heart, you see something that's not in that line of thought. It's, it's totally out of that. And, and I wish it stayed there, but it doesn't. It, it's, it's there and it's gone. Now, you just saw something and your head is going, what was that? Where did that come from? Uh, what did I just see? And if someone interviewed you and reviewed you that, that what with you, like God is here with Jeremiah, he said, now just tell me what you saw. Well, what I saw, I mean, it was so fast and this is, this is why it feels like you're composing a prophecy, is you're actually, you're actually putting words to what you saw. You have, to, you have to define, you have to describe. That's what throws a lot of people off. They think it's them making something up because there's no words. You have to put words to it. You have to describe it. That's, that part, will, God will never do that for you. That's always on you. That takes integrity. So you have to say what you saw, and you say, well, I saw, I saw. Um, uh, well, one of the words last night was uh, a horse, okay? Who, I'm not sure who had that, but there was someone that had a horse. So what, what, what he saw, faster than the shuttle, uh, shutter on a camera, he saw a horse, it's gone. If it stayed there, prophecy would be so easy. I mean, if it, was just, if it would just stay there, and you could say, not only that, it's a brown horse, and it's got a bridle, and... And uh, you, could, you could really go to work at it, which is beside the point. That's not what God is. We'd end up going so much detail, they'd have to shovel, they'd need a shovel to find out what God is saying. And so, so you have to say just briefly what you saw. And that's entirely on you. You can say, well, it's gone now. It's, uh, boy, it was, that was so fast, but I think what I saw is I saw this horse. And so you, you, have to, you have to say what you saw. Now watch what happened. So the first thing Jeremiah saw was just something little. Let's just continue here. Verse 13, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is how prophecy works. He's, what do you see? He says, I see a, po a boiling pot and it's facing away from the north. It's just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. And the Lord said to me, out of the north, calamity shall break forth. And so the Lord's bringing application after he, he does that. And, so, and it's wonderful when that kind of stuff happens. But the Lord's affirming Jeremiah. He's working with him. He's actually tutoring him on how to prophesy. When you stand in front of somebody, this is, this is how I, I believe. I believe that... Uh, if I make myself available to the Holy Spirit to speak to someone, so someone comes and, and I, I'm going to lay my hands on them. Do you remember the, remember the show called Get Smart or the movie, the show? There was this called the Zone of Silence or the Cone of Silence. It was this glass thing coming down. I just pictured that Cone of Silence thing coming down over me that, that 
the Lord is sanctifying this moment that if I'm sincere and I'm really trying to love his people, a special zone happens where uh, I will get a word from the Lord. And it, it will happen. The Holy Spirit wants to speak. He wants to minister to that person. And, and I just believe like this thing comes down and I'm in a zone where I have to sort it out, but a word's going to come. A word will come. And so uh, my responsibility then is to say what I saw. If I start loving that person from my heart, I'm amazed how quickly it comes. I'm amazed how much, how powerful it comes. Now, I have a whole line of thinking. One thought leads to another. And so when I'm in that zone, I, I watch to see what pops in my mind, so to speak, that I wasn't thinking. And I think that's the word of the Lord. Now, Gary said it last night. He said he goes with the first thing. The first thing that pops in your mind that, that you're not generating. You know when you're generating your own thoughts. This is something a little abstract, something that you're thinking along this line, and all of a sudden a thought, a picture, actually pops up that you weren't thinking. That now is interesting. Now you say, okay, here's something I wasn't thinking. This, we say, well... Uh, I see, that's, that's true, although you're not getting a vision, you're just, you've had, your, it's actually all happening by your imagination, so that part feels like it's you, except it's, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And now you have to put words to it, that makes it feel like you're composing, but you're not, you're just relaying with your own language. And this is where it's confusing for people, some people say, that couldn't have been God, the grammar was all wrong. Well, it's, it's your grammar. And it might even be your accent. You might, God doesn't say y'all, but you do. And so he used, so it's you saying what you saw. And so all that is normal. You're allowed to put your own vernacular on it. And, and when you see it and then you say it, you might have another association that is, is now you. It's, it's no longer inspired. There's actually a verse that says that. So you actually go a little bit further and you say, you know, it says that in Jeremiah 21. And, and that's you. That, that you're no longer speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You're helping that person out by adding a little bit more to it in the integrity of your heart to help them understand what the Lord is saying. Nothing wrong with any of that. But what happens is people quit the process because they say, well, I think I'm making it up. No, it's just that it's, it's not automatic speech. It's not reading a ticker tape. It would be so easy if it was a ticker tape, wouldn't it? I mean, you could just say, thus saith the Lord. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, that would just be so easy. But it doesn't happen that way. What happens is you get a, a flash of a picture. That's what happened to Jeremiah. He saw something. It's not a vision. It's happening inside of you. It's happening in your spirit, by the spirit, using your imagination. You see something. Your whole responsibility is just to communicate what you saw. If you do that right, what the Lord does is so wonderful is he works on the other end of it, on your word. He takes your words and he melts their hearts with his love in a sense that it's him and, and a sense of being beloved in a sense of that this is a zone, one of those cones of silence comes over them, so to speak. And they start feeling God. And almost, it's almost like your words become less relevant. It's this wonderful sense. You know, when Jesus told people, he says, uh, go home 
and don't tell anybody what happened to you, I think that's what he's, I think that's what he's trying to preserve. He's trying to keep that alive as long as possible. If you go home and you tell people the prophecy or the healing that God did, they'll go to the mechanics of it. They'll say, now, how did he do it? And did he spit on you? And did he touch you? And, and, and they wanna, they'll dissect that mechanically, uh, physically. They go right to the physical. The part you can't put in the words, the part you can't explain, is the wonderful sense of being beloved. If you ponder it in your heart and you don't share it for a while you can preserve that feeling a little longer. In fact, if you do this right, I saw someone share a testimony where God spoke to them and touched them and they started reliving it and crying and they melted down all over again 20 years later because there's a residue of that that's still there. You can lose that by talking about it too much. You can lose that by analyzing it too much. You can lose that by dissecting it. You take it down, you pin all the pins to it, and you get it out there, and, and after a while, it doesn't have any of that sense of being from the heart of God anymore. It's been lost in the dissection. So it's just better just to do what Mary did. She just pondered it in her heart. She just meditated on it. She thought about it. The more she did that, she could just prolong that sense of being beloved, which is the best part which is the best part. Hagar, she goes out in the wilderness and the Lord speaks to her and he tells her that he's going to provide for her, he's going to protect her and he's going to guide her. He told her about what was growing inside of her, the child and his future and what was happening. And she's so, so struck by the moment and it reveals what really was going on inside of her. She named the place, Thou God Seest Me. The part that so rector for life is God sees me. God knows me. God knows that I am. All the promises and all the provision and all the stuff, all that was wonderful, but you're overwhelmed with a sense that God knows you and God sees you and he's aware of your struggle and, and he's with you in it. That's the best part. When it said God was with Joseph and all it says is God, that's, that's a huge, huge thing. He's, he's, having, he's feeling God in that prison in a way that, that made it his secret place. It made it a wonderful place. And he was experiencing God. That really is the best part. That's the part we don't want you to lose today. If it's something, if you're communicating really the voice of the Lord, what he's really saying to that person, they'll have an experience with God. And that's what we're after. That's what we want. You fretting about whether you got the right order of the words is so much beside the point. It, the more you fret over, boy, I should have said this first and that second, and I, I misquoted the address to that verse, is really so much beside the point. That kind of fretting will reduce your own willingness to get out of the boat. Um, one of the big things that prevents people from prophesying is, is just all the, all the head work that has to go into it and sweating over whether it's God or whether it's them or whether, whether they got it all right or what, all of that. Um, just have a little more fun with this. Relax a little bit more on all of that. The way I see it is it's more like an antenna. If you can have fun with this, and I'm, and I'm not saying make light of it. It is serious stuff. We're communicating the heart of God. But... If you can stay in a more positive zone longer, your antenna will go up and you'll hear from God more readily. If you're fretting about the tense and fretting about 
whether you got every word accurate and, and, and what they say and, and the, the looks on people's faces around you, your antenna will go down. We want your antenna up. You have to stay positive. You have to stay optimistic. You have to stay in that love vein. And if you do that, your antenna will go up. That's what we want to see. I see people who get so bent out of shape and so self-critical. I just know, man, you're, you're, you're doing this wrong. Your antenna is down. You, you're not going to get anything. You're just not going to get anything. Your antenna is down. The way to get that up is being a little more optimistic, a little more almost like what we're prophesying to people. We have to have to happening in our own heart that, that's edification and exhortation cooking for you. You're trying. You're, you're getting out of the boat. I'm just proud that you tried. I'm just, and, and you're, you're all upset because you took a little misstep. I think, I think it's just counterproductive. I don't think it's going to help the process at all. At all. It's just going to create a strain that's going to cause you to quit sooner or later. How many have started and quit? You started this process and then you quit. It's just a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of head stuff happening. Um, James calls it salt water and sweet water. And, and the more critical you are, even of yourself, the more negative you are, we'll call that salt water. It just doesn't mix with the sweet water. And they, you can't get them both coming out of the same fountain. The times that I've stopped prophesying, that I, it's actually kind of... Uh, evaporated in my life for a while is I realized I was just in a negative vein about me, about everybody around me, and uh, it was just too much salt water happening in my system. Salt water will kill you. And uh, so I realized, man, I got to get rid of that salt water. And the only way to do that is get into this vein where you feel beloved of God for yourself and, you, and you're drawing from him that he's proud of you, he's pleased that you're even trying. He's, he's just happy that you're trying. You're doing your best, and if you can get in that vein, it opens something up, and next thing you know, you start hearing from God, okay? Is that helpful? If you do a little study about the meditation of your heart, meditation is key. Meditation has to do with your imagination, and so uh, a sanctified imagination is what God is using to, to prophesy. So if you know people, especially kids, who have a really super powerful, super active imagination, they have a chance of being more prophetic than the average person. And you've met people with no imagination, very likely you're not going to get a whole lot of prophecy flowing out of them. Imagination is key. Meditation is taking your imagination, harnessing it, disciplining it, and making it, making it work along a certain line, a positive line. My heart is indicting a good matter. And so, therefore, my tongue becomes the pen of a ready writer. He starts by, by your head, staying in that positive, positive thing where you're indicting a good matter. You're meditating. You're rolling over in your mind. I think one of the things that's probably uh, going to kill the prophetic movement is YouTube. So much negative junk on there. And if you just feed yourself, if you're just zoning out, feeding on YouTube, not meditating in God's word because it's just so easy to park your imagination. Most of it is pranks and, and crazy stuff, people doing embarrassing things to each other. That's not, that's not a good zone to be in and then to try to prophesy the next day. It's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, YouTube takes no imagination. You could just zone out there. 
For you to meditate on God's word takes intentionality, takes time, takes, takes effort, takes shutting down all the noise, shutting off the TV, shutting off the, the, the music in the background, just shutting, and just with your imagination, take a story and watch it. Read it and then watch it. Watch how it happened. That meditation will actually nurture and create a residue, a wellspring of, of stuff that you can prophesy out of. And, and uh, I think the big competition for, for meditating in God's word is, is the media, social media, all the medias, whatever media you're into, it can actually work against you. Uh, I find that if I can sh shut down for a few days and just get alone and shut everything down, that prophetic well within me just starts bubbling up. It's what you're meditating on about you, about the people around you, about your life problems. If you're in a positive zone and you're optimistic about what's happening and you're meditating, your heart's indicting a good matter, it's very likely you can step in the prophecy and it'll just flow. And you say, now why did that happen? Well, your heart was in a good place. Your head's been in a good zone for a couple of days and out of that, God, it's, it's conducive to the, to the Spirit's nature to speak. It's conducive. If you're critical, negative, hard on everyone, it's coming out of your mouth. You can always tell what you're meditating on by what comes out of your mouth. Out of the fullness of your heart, your, your, heart, your mouth will speak. I can always tell where people's heads are at, where their hearts are at, what, they've been met, what, they've, what their diet has been because it comes out of their mouth. It's all negative, it's all critical, it's critical about the body. When you meet a prophet, he says, yeah, yeah, the, the body of Christ in the church, boy, it's just bad these days. And they just go down that whole negative and they have no solutions, no positive solutions. You can just see what they're meditating on. Uh, these are actually great days in the kingdom. There's never been a day like this. This is the one, this is, these are the most wonderful days I've ever seen. These are great days.